Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Happy New Year's Eve, folks. And welcome to another episode of Terror radio podcast where we are dedicated in bringing you the best of horror and thriller old time radio broadcasts as well as original stories this is your host Keith aka the radio show nerd wishing everyone a joyous and safe new years and hoping that 2022 will be a bit less stressful than 2020 or 2021. And as promised, on our next episode, we will be featuring our first original story entitled The Perfect Daughter, as well as a old time radio program. And I'm excited for y'all to hear our adaptation. So without further ado, this is Terror Radio. The two programs featured tonight are favorites here on our podcast. The ever so popular Lights Out as well as Escape. Now a quick, quick, quick rundown on both series. Lights Out, as we all know, was an extremely popular horror radio series which began on January 3rd, 1934 and ended in the summer of 1947. It was created by writer Willis Cooper, who left the series in the late 30s and was replaced by who I think is a genius, Arch Obler. Now, I really consider Lights Out to be one of the original horror series, along with the witch's tale which hopefully I will have um, a radio play from that uh, series in the next few weeks because it seemed to have predated shows like Suspense Inner Sanctum etc the radio play tonight is entitled Knock at the Door and it was first broadcasted on December 15th 1942 And this story is a cautionary tale on disliking your mother-in-law. And that's all I'm going to say. Next, Escape, which was the premier adventure slash suspense anthology series, which debuted on July 7th, 1947, and concluded on September 25th, 1954. And it was originally hosted by actor William Conrad, who many of you may remember from Gunsmoke, as well as Jake and the Fat Man. The radio play from that series that we're featuring tonight is entitled Shipment of Mute Fate. And it first broadcasted on October 15th, 
1947, and stars actor Jack Webb, who many of you may remember from the Dragnet series. Now, this is a slithery tale that will keep you on the edge of your seat. And there's a reason why <laughs> I said the word slithery. So, you know the drill. Sit back, turn down the lights, and listen to Knock at the Door. And after that, Shipment of Mute Fate. Ionized Yeast presents Lights Out. Everybody. because I hated her. I remember the first time we met. Jay had just married me. And we were walking along the street to his house. Oh, Ella, you'll like my ma. Really, you will. Well, I... Sure, she's swell. Best woman in the world. Is she? Well, I mean... Well, you're my wife now. Ella... That proves what I think of you, don't it? I guess it does. Oh, 
You and Ma will get along fine. <laughs> will this be a surprise to her? Well, here's the house. What do you think of it? Well, it's all right. Yeah. Well, in we go. <laughs> will Ma's eyes pop when she sees you? <laughs> pop right out, I'll bet you. Come on, Ma, open up. Got a surprise for you. Jake, where have you been, son? Where? Oh. Surprise, eh, Ma? Meet Ella. Jay, you brought home a woman. When she said it that way, right from that minute, I knew I hated it. And that's the way it was from then on. I wasn't Jay's wife to her, but a woman. Stranger in her house. And it was her house and everything in it. Nothing changed. Everything hers. Ma, can I use your car to take Ella riding? Ma, mind if Ella plant some roses in your garden? Ma, is it all right if Ella uses... That's the way it was. Hers, hers, everything hers. All I had was Jay, and he wasn't much. You can't blame me. You hear me? You can't blame me for not standing it. All my life I'd had nothing, and at last I was married, and I still had nothing. Her house, her car, her money, her son. I couldn't stand it, I tell you. So I killed him. The wages of sin are dead. Why do I keep hearing Pa's words in my head? I'm going to kill myself. I'm going to do it. It's just that I want to sit here on top of a ladder and think and talk about everything for a little while. It's the last chance I'll get. Oh, like I said, I killed her. Well, not right away. I stood it for weeks and months. But all the time inside of me, something was talking. Kill her. Everything will be yours. Kill her. Oh, right. And then louder and louder until my head was filled with it. Louder and louder until I couldn't stand it no more. Louder and louder until I said, yes, I'll do it. Yes. Yes. Everything would be mine, then. Everything. I always wanted it that way. It had to be that way. Here in this basement, that's where it happened. Jay went to work. I came down here. Oh, it wasn't very hard to do what I had to do. I remember every minute of it so well. Every minute. I called it. And she came down into the basement. You called me, Ella? Yes, I called you. What's the matter? Somebody took the lid off the sewer down here. Land sakes alive. Now, who could have done that? Heavy iron cover like that. Jay wouldn't have done it. Is it deep down there? Of course it's deep. Paint a sewer anyway. Covers an old well this building was built over. Oh. What are you owing about? Heard my son Jay tell you the same thing weeks ago. Yes, he did tell me. Funny, I forgot. Oh, look. What? Down in the well. Look. I I don't see nothing. What? <laughs> oh! It's your will, isn't it, Mama? Your will. Everything is yours, so stay in it. Stay in it, Mama. Stay in it. Your will, Mama. But everything else is mine now. Everything mine, mine. <sighs> and that's the way it was. Easy. Too easy. Jay came home. He said... Hey, Ella, where's Ma? I don't know. She wasn't here when I got back from the store. Must have gone out. Oh. Well, she'll be back. Leave it to Ma. 
But she didn't come back. How could she? Jay went to the police. They came around. They asked questions. They went away. And nothing happened. It was as easy as that. Wages of sin are dead. Wages of sin are dead. Oh, why do I keep hearing that in my head? Why? I'm going to die. Rope around my neck. Just a little bit longer talking. Just a little. She... She was gone. And I had her house and her son. And then I didn't want him. I tell you, he made me sick just to look at him. Mama, Mama. I wanted to forget, forget. And then one day, I got an idea. There was more room under that iron lid in the basement, wasn't there? That was it? Yes, that was it. Got free of her, now I get free of him. Sell the house, quick, get away, away, far away. Yeah, that was it, a free woman. With my looks and all that money, oh, would I have a time. I planned everything, told the neighbors Jay was going on a trip. I said Jay wrote me to sell the place and join him out of town. I tell you, it was perfect. He came home that night. The night I was going to let him join his mama. Anybody home? I'm always home. Oh, you said that just like Mama used to. Did I? Say, that reminds me. I got a new detective agency working on the case. They think that maybe she lost her memory somehow. You know, like you were about... All right, all right. What, Ella? Sit down and eat your supper. You want it to get cold? Oh, don't see why you don't want to talk about finding Mama... After all... Sit down and eat your supper. You'll find your mama. You think so, Ella? Sure. Oh, say, that's good hearing you say that. Finding my ma, that's something I'd sure like to He sat down to eat. I made him a good supper. Why not? His last supper. And then it happened. We were sitting there eating. And there was a knocking at the door. No. Who can that be? How should I know? Get up and answer it. Yeah. Peddler, I'll bet you. Nobody here. Then shut the door and come on back and finish your supper. That's funny. I heard knocking plain, didn't you? Yeah, kids playing jokes. Go on, East. I want you to help me fix something in the basement. Fix what? You'll see. Finish your eating first. Okay. Those crazy kids. Right. Man, ask it where you are. I'll go and... Come away. Wait for what? Listen. That knocking. How funny it sounds. Those kids. But it's from the basement door. I'd better go see... No. Jay, don't open that door. Don't, I tell you. Don't see why not. Somebody knocking. I gotta see... Jay, leave the door closed. What's the matter with you? Gotta open it. Gotta see... No, Jay. (gasps) No. Mama. 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 
when the dead have returned is certainly a fit one to loosen your grip on that chair and take a deep breath and slow up your pulse beat. And now back to Lights Out. Ella goes on with her story. The story of the return from death of the woman she had murdered. It was her, all right. There she was. Eyes glaring. Dirty gray old hair plastered wet around her face. Being in there. I could see her with my own eyes. And yet she was dead, I tell you, dead. Jay didn't know that, no. He took that dead thing by the arm and he led her into the room. And he sat her down in a chair. Oh, Mama, Mama. You did come back. I knew you would. We both knew it, didn't we, Ella? Now tell us, Mama, where you've been. Why'd you go? Yeah, why come back this funny way? The back way up the basement steps. Why, Mama? Uh, 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 Mama, you're uh, sick. Uh, oh, Ella, look. She's dripping wet. Ella, quick, take her upstairs and put her to bed. Yeah, and maybe you'd better sleep with her tonight. Keep her warm. Ella? Why are you looking so funny? Ella! Ma! Ella fainted. Why did she faint? Why? Sure, I fainted. Me sleep with that. Me keep that warm. Oh, no. I didn't wake up until next morning. Jay was leaving for work. He told me she was sleeping in her room to take good care of her when she woke up. And he went away, happy as Mama was back. When he was gone, I sat down there in the kitchen and waited. It got on to five. Soon he'd be coming home. I had to know. I tell you, I had to. I went upstairs to her room. I opened the door. Nobody there. I tell you, nobody there. The bed not even slept in. She'd never been there, never. I dreamed it. Jay dreamed it. She wasn't there. She hadn't come back. But I had to be sure. I went down in the basement. I pried up that old iron lid. There was the open well. I lit a lantern and held it in the black hole. I looked in. She was there, floating in the water like a big fat Oh, But she was still there. Well, that's all that mattered. I had piled things over the lid to hold it down, and old trunk boxes, heavy things. That's what I did. They came home after a while. He said, Hush, Mama. I said, All right. He said, Call her down to dinner, will you? I said, Yeah, sure. Oh, oh. yeah, that's what I said. I knew Mama was all right where she was. <laughs> we sat down to dinner. He kept talking about her. How funny it was that she still was sleeping. How funny it was the way she came back. But all the time I was laughing inside myself because I knew what had happened was just a strange dream we both had had. Because she was dead. Dead and floating. We sat there eating. Mm. I felt good. Her bad dream ended. 
Well, this night, Jay would join his mama. Woman. Yeah. And then, just like the night before, it happened. Say, now who in the world's that? And, and it's the basement door again. Now what in the... Mama! You! Yeah, I screamed. What good was that? There she was again. The water dripping down off her face and clothes and puddling on the floor. And this time I knew it was no dream. She came into the room. She sat down on a chair. Jay, talking, talking all the time. He didn't see the way I saw that her face was... Started to thunder. Jay said, Mama, Mama, you should never have sneaked out on a night like this. Not a bed with you. In the morning, I'll call the doctor. Ella, you take Mom upstairs to bed. And this time, be sure you sleep with her. You know how scared she is of thunder. Go on now. She's soaked to the skin. I just sat there. I tell you, I couldn't move. Thinking of going upstairs with her being in the same room with her. It froze me to my chair. And Jay said, No. No, come to think of it, I'll go fetch the doctor right now. Can't take any more chances. Ella, you take Mama right upstairs and put her to bed. Lie down with her. Keep her warm till I get back with Doc Williams. And he was gone. Gone after the doctor. I sat there, the flesh on me crawling. The doctor'd come, and he'd see that she was dead, dead a long time. He'd be sure to see it the way I saw it, dead, and, and the water had... Uh, how long we sat there looking at each other, I don't know. And then her lips moved, and it was like a cold wind. And I said to put me to bed... That's what she said. My son said to put me to bed. And then I understood the whole thing. She'd come back from the dead to keep me from killing him. And, and she wanted me along upstairs to... No. No, I wouldn't do it. I sat there without moving. Her lips moved again. He said to keep me warm. Come upstairs, Ella. To keep me warm. Me keeping that dead thing warm. Her wet, cold, dripping skin against... No, I wouldn't do it. She thought she'd make me crazy that way. Hold me in her bony arms until the sense in me ran out the way the well water was running out of her. Make me crazy. <laughs> Something to be locked away like they locked my own mother away. Crazy, crazy. Oh, no. No, that wouldn't happen to me. She wouldn't make me crazy, not me. I got to my feet. I turned quick before she could stop me. The basement door. I locked it behind me. I ran down the basement steps. Oh, I knew how to cheat her. The sure way, the only way. Oh, that's why I'm down here now. The rope around my neck. The other end tied to the cross beam. I'll jump off this ladder. The rope will stretch. I'll be dead. Dead. 
This will never get me crazy. Still thundering. If I make noises, I choke. Nobody will hear me. And I'll die. And I'll never see her again. Why don't I do it now? There ain't much time. Stay and the doctor will be coming back. I gotta be dead then. Good and dead or they'll find out the truth about her. Why don't I do it now? Why don't I do it? Because I'm afraid. Afraid of dying. That's, that's why I've been talking here in the dark, because I'm afraid. Oh, it, it'll be so dark. Empty. Things will go on in the world, and I'll have nothing but the dark. Why should I die? Yeah, why should I? If I left this house, she, she wouldn't follow me, would she? That's all she wants, the house, her Jay. Well, she can have him. I'll go. I'll go right away. Far away. They'll never find me. Never. Oh, the rope. It's so tight around my neck. Oh, I, I, I've got to get it off. i got to hurry and get away before Jay and the duck. I can't get the rope off. Who's there? Who's coming down the steps? Is that you, Jay? Oh, you. You followed me down. How could you? I locked the door. Oh, but then I put that iron lid over you, too, didn't I? And it didn't do much good. Oh, listen. Listen, I'll go away. You hear me? I'll go away. This will be your house and everything in it. Hear me all yours again. And, and Jay, I'll leave him, too. I won't take anything with me. I'll just go right away. Get get the rope off. I'll go. You'll see me go. Oh, I made the noose so tight. I can't see it. Mrs. Kruger, what are you going to do? Are you not going to climb up the ladder? Oh, no. No, stay off. Stay off, I tell you. Don't come closer. I can't stand you coming closer. Stay away, the ladder. The ladder will fall. The robe is still around my neck if I fall. Oh. No. No. No, you, you won't make me die. I've got hold of the rope with my hand. I won't choke this way. My arms are strong. I can hold on to the rope above my head for a long time. Jay will be home right away. He'll get me down. I'll live. I will, and you'll still be dead. Dead. I'll, I'll tell them that you fell in the well. They'll believe me. They'll believe me. We'll say something. Say something. I, I know you're standing down there watching me. You, you're waiting, waiting for my arms to get tired, so I'll let go. But I won't let go. I won't. I won't. Jay will be home. I can't let go. I can't. I gotta live. I gotta live. Oh, my arms. I'm so tired. I gotta hold on. I gotta hold on.
more than noose. The noose? Oh, cramping arm. Jay! Jay! I gotta cramp my. I can't hold on anymore. Jay! I wouldn't have killed you. Jay! I can't hold on. Jay! who need more vitamin B and iron. Tell us, yes, about the return of the dead, whether or not I believe that the dead could return to avenge an evil. Frank, have you ever heard of Charles Fort? No, I haven't. Well, Charles Hoy Fort was born in 1874 and died in New York in 1932. The unusual, the supernormal, the supernatural fascinated him, just as one man might collect uh, postage stamps. Charles Fort, for 20 or 30 years, collected records of phenomena which dogmatic science couldn't explain, strange murders and so forth. I suggest that, therefore, that any of you who think that this is the only possible world spend a very pleasant weekend reading these records in Mr. Fort's work, The Book of the Damned. The best possible answer to the ghost question is, who knows? And now what about next week, Mr. Obler? Well, next week, a story of suspense, which is, I believe, quite different from anything you've ever heard before. Have you ever watched a shooting star streak across the sky and suddenly have a feeling of almost terror? But, <laughs> well, all that's next week. Lights Out will come to you again next Tuesday at the same time. Be sure to listen to Arch Obler's weird story of the thing out of interstellar space. And if you need more vitamin B and iron, be sure to try Ironized Yeast, the one and only Ironized Yeast, with the big letters IY on the package and on each tablet. Do you intend to be well-dressed next year? Then take good care of the clothes you now own because there's a shortage in many clothing materials. And to help get the best wear from your present clothes, keep them free of grease spots with Energene Cleaning Fluid. Grease spots are the favorite feeding place of moths all year round. Grease spots also make your clothes look worn, run down, old before their time. But with Energene, you can remove those grease spots easily, neatly, efficiently. To help care for your clothes, get Energene Cleaning Fluid tomorrow. This is the Columbia Broadcasting. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Did you miss out on that big football game last week? Can't get rid of that head cold? Want to get away from it all? 
CBS offers you Escape. You are groping your way slowly through the dark hold of a ship at sea, moving carefully step by step, searching intently for something you dread to find, because you know that this ship carries a cargo of death. The Columbia Broadcasting System and its affiliated stations presents Escape, produced and directed by William N. Robeson, and carefully plotted to free you from the four walls of today for a half hour of high adventure. Tonight we escape to a harbor front in Venezuela, and a grim voyage that started there, as told by Martin Storm in his gripping story, A Shipment of Mute Fate. I stopped on the wharf at LaGuaira and looked up the gangplank toward the liner Chan Kay, standing quietly there at her moorings. The day was warm under a bright tropic sun, and the harbor beyond the ship lay drowsy and silent. But all at once in the midst of these peaceful surroundings, a cold chill gripped me, and I shivered with sudden dread. Dread of the thing I was doing and was about to do. But too much had happened to turn back now. I'd gone too far to stop. So I set the box down on the edge of the wharf, placed it carefully so as to be in plain sight and within gunshot of the captain's bridge. And then I turned and started up the gangplank. I knew what I was going to do, but I couldn't forget that a certain pair of beady eyes were watching every move I made. Eyes that never blinked and never closed. Just watched and waited. Oh, I beg your pardon. Why, it's Mr. Warner. Hello, Mother Willis. How's the best-looking stewardess on the seven seas? Well, I'm, I'm fine, Mr. Warner. I, I guess better run along now and get on with my chores. Now, wait a minute. That's a fine greeting after two months. Well, it's just that I'm so busy. I don't believe a word of it. Sailing day's tomorrow. You're simply avoiding me, that's all. Oh, no, really, I'm not. And on the trip down from New York, you said I was your favorite passenger. But I'm only... Here, wait a minute. What's that you're carrying in your apron Oh, it's there? nothing. Uh, just supplies. Supplies? Well, let's have a look, huh? No, please. What do you know? It's a cat. It's Clara, Mr. Warner. Mm-hmm. Mr. Bowman said I had to leave her ashore, and I just couldn't. Well, who's Mr. Bowman? The new chief steward. Oh. Clara's been aboard with me for two years, and I just can't leave her here in a foreign country, especially with her condition so delicate and all. Yeah, I see what you mean. Well, I hope you get away with it. You, you won't tell anyone? Not a soul. As a matter of fact, if things don't work out right... We may both end up smuggling. I was happy to have you on board on the trip down two months ago, Christopher. I'm very glad you're coming along with us on the run back to New York. Thanks, Captain Wood. There is one thing, though. I'm having a little trouble with the customs men here, and I wondered if you might... I can't do it, Christopher. I just cabled your father this morning. Told him I'd done it for you if I possibly could. Sent a request from New York, you know. Yeah, I thought he would. I wired him from upriver last week. I hate to refuse, but it's absolutely out of the question. Well, Captain Wood, I'm afraid I don't follow you there. Responsibility to the passenger, son. We'd have women and children aboard. 
On a liner, the safety of the passengers comes ahead of anything. But with proper precautions. Something might happen. I don't know what, but something might. You've carried worse things. There isn't anything worse. And any skipper afloat will bear me out. Now, Christopher, I simply can't take the chance, and that's final. Final? Well, it wasn't final if I could do anything about it. I hadn't come down here to spend two months in that stinking backcountry and then be stopped on the edge of the wharf. Two months of it. Heat, rain, insects, malaria. I'd gone clear in past the headwaters of the Orinoco, traveled through country where every step along the jungle trail might be the last one. Oh, Sanchez. Si, senor. Warner. You better start looking for a place to camp. It'll be dark in a little while. Uh, si, senor. Very soon we turn to river. Camp on rocks by water. This very bad country. This very bad country. You've been saying that for ten days now. Very bad country. Well, si, senor. Warner. This very bad country. Yeah, we'll skip it. For all the luck we've had so far, it might as well be Central Park. Uh, Central Park? Uh, I don't understand. Oh, never mind. If we don't find hey, something... Here, here, what's the matter? Quiet now. Sanchez, what's wrong? They're in the path. See? Bushmaster. Bushmaster. The deadliest snake in the world. Bushmaster. Its Latin name was Lachesis Muta. Mute fate. It lay there in the center of the path, a ten-foot length of silent death, coiled loosely in an undulant loop, ready to strike violently at the least movement. Here was the one snake that would go after any animal that walked or any man. It lay there and watched us, not moving, not afraid, ready for anything. The splotch of its colors stood out like some horrible, gaudy floor mat lying there on the brown background of the jungle, waiting for someone to step on it. Here was what I'd come 2,000 miles for, a Bushmaster. Sanchez! I didn't want that snake killed! He no kill, senor. He gone. Bushmaster very smart, very quick. Must always see bullet in time to dodge. Well, anyway, he's gone, and the only one we've seen in five weeks. Oh, we find other. This very bad country. Well, lay off that gun the next time. Don't shoot, you understand. Why you say no shoot? You want Bushmaster. Sure, but I want it alive. Hombre, Sir Cristo. Senor Warner, you tell me you want Bushmaster, but you no say alive. You're getting $200 for it. <laughs> for dead man, what is $200? Tomorrow we go back to Caracas. I'll make it 500, Sanchez. I catch water snake, rattlesnake, any other kind. But I no catch Bushmaster. Sanchez, I'll give you $1,000. We go back to Caracas. Well, it cost me 1500 American dollars. But three days later, Sanchez brought me the snake in a rubber bag. He was shaking so hard, I thought for a moment the thing had struck him. One thing you make sure, Senor Warner. Not turn him loose in Venezuela. Because he know I the one who catch him. And he know where I live. All right, Sanchez, I'll keep an eye on him. También he know you pay me to catch him. All the time he watch and wait. You no forget that, Senor Warner, because he no forget. Not ever. Well, after going through all that trouble and danger and laying out 1,500 bucks... I wasn't going to let a pig-headed ship captain stop me at the last minute. At least not as long as the cables were still in operation between LaGuaira and New York. Morning, Captain Wood. The boy at the hotel said you wanted to see me. That's right, Christopher. Yeah. Sit down. Thank you. It seems you weren't willing to let matters stand the way we left them yesterday. I'm well, sorry to go over your head, Captain Wood, but I had to. 
The museum sent me all the way down here for it. And I'm not going to be stopped by red tape. This will be the only live Bushmaster ever brought to the United States. Mm. Yes, and if I had my way, but... Uh, well, orders are orders. I got a cable from the head office this morning. All right. I suppose we talk about precautions. I'll handle it any way you say. Got to have a stronger box. That crate's too flimsy. Well, it's stronger than it looks. And that wire screen on top would hold a wildcat. But anyway, I bought a heavy sea chest this morning. I will put the crate inside of it. it sounds all right. You got a lock on it? Heavy padlock. It's fixed so that the lid can be propped open a crack without unlocking it. The snake's got to have air. But in dirty weather, that lid stays shut. I'll take no chances. Fair enough. I will keep the thing in my inside cabin where I sleep. I can't have it in the baggage room. And nobody on board's to know about it. Whatever you say, Captain. But we won't have any trouble. After all, it's only an animal. It doesn't have any magical powers. I saw a bushmaster in the zoo at Krakus once. Had it in a glass cage with double walls. It'd never move. Just lay there. Look at you as long as you were in sight. Gave a man the creeps. I didn't know they had a bushmaster at the Caracas Zoo. They don't. Now. Found a glass broken one morning and the snake gone. Night watchman was dead. They never found out what happened. Well, the watchman must have broken the glass by accident some way. The way they figured it, the glass was broken from the inside. Well, we sail in four hours. We steamed north into the Caribbean with perfect weather and a sea as smooth as an inland lake. The barometer dropped a little on the third day but cleared up overnight and left nothing worse than a heavy swell. But in spite of the calm seas and the pleasant weather, I found myself feeling more and more often an ominous foreboding. I was developing an almost unnatural fear of that snake. Well, I stayed clear of the passengers pretty much got the habit of dropping into Captain Wood's quarters several times a day. He kept the heavy box underneath his berth. I'd approach it quietly and shine my flashlight through the open crack. Never once could I catch that 12-foot devil asleep, or even excited. He'd be lying there, half-coiled, his head raised a little, staring out of those beady black eyes, waiting. He'd still be like that when I'd turn away to leave. Maybe that's what bothered me. That horrible and constant watchful waiting. What in the name of heaven was he waiting for? Well, hello there, Mr. Warner. Oh, how are you, Mother Willis? Aye, but you and the captain spend an awful lot of time around this cabin. I'm beginning to think the two of you must have some guilty secret. Oh, no, nothing like that, Mother Willis. I don't know about Captain Wood, but I... Well, I certainly don't have any guilty secret. running quite a swell out there, Mr. Bowman. Yeah, it's a little heavy, all right, Mr. Warner. Guess a storm passed through to the west of us yesterday when the glass dropped. Think it missed us then, huh? Yeah, that's that's what the mate figures. Sure stirred up some water, though. <laughs> This'll put half the passengers in their bunks. Makes it great for my department. Two-thirds of them will want a steward to hold their heads. They'll keep Mother Willis so busy she'll have... Wait! Look at the size of that wave. Huh? The great Jehoshaphat! We're gonna take it on the port bow! Hang on! Well, that was a freak if there ever was one. 
Not another wave in sight. I see them like that sometimes, even in a calm sea. Well, I gotta get below, Mr. Warner. That water probably did some damage on the officer's deck. Yeah, I suppose it... What did you say? Uh, the wheel companionway was open on the port side. Bridge cabins must have taken a pretty bad smashing up. They're right below the, uh... Here, uh, is something wrong, Mr. Warner? No. No, nothing at all, Mr. Warner. At least, I hope not. I looked first for Captain Wood and couldn't find him. Of course, I knew it was only one chance in a thousand, but the chances against that freak wave were one in a thousand, too. Well, I couldn't waste any more time, so I stumbled down the companionway and along the passage to the captain's cabin. Oh, oh, come on in, Mr. Warner. Mother Willis. Why, isn't this cabin a mess? Trying to get some of these things out to dry. Yeah, well, I just wanted to check... Where's that box that was under the captain's bunk? Threw it out on that. But where? We didn't know. It was nearly dark when we uh, met together yeah, again in the chart room. I don't get the whole thing There's at no all. There's no other way around it. We've risked all the time we can. We've got to warn the passengers. Well, how we do it, Captain? Call them all together in the lounge? No, if we did anything like that, we'd be asking for a panic. We'll get one whether we ask for it or not. Uh, pick a few men and go through the cabin decks. Tell them individually. Inside their cabins. Watch for any act that looks as though it might cause trouble. And we'll keep an eye on them. Handle the crew the same way. Right, all right, right Captain. Okay. Now, as soon as you've finished, arm all the deck officers and start searching again. Our only chance of preventing a riot is to find that damnable snake. The slow nightmare that followed grew worse by the hour. None of us slept. All the ship's officers, not on duty, kept on with that endless search. Passengers locked themselves in their cabins or huddled together in the lounges, knowing all the time that no spot on board could be called safe. Fear was a heavy fog in the lungs of all of us, and every light on the vessel burned throughout the night. Morning came and brought no relief. Terror and tension mounted by the hour. Now, Mrs. Crane, stop getting yourself all worked up and go back to your cabin. The horrid thing's probably crawled overboard anyway. You're just saying that. You're paid to say it. You don't know. Nobody does. Now, now, everything's going to be all right. Oh, if you could only do something. If all of us could only get off the ship. They could fumigate it. Yes, that's what we've got to do. We've got to get off the ship. Now, wait. We've Mr. Bowman. Mr. Bowman, she's going to jump off No, you don't, lady. Let me go. Let me go! Oh, nice no! Let me go! Nice work, Mr. Bowman. Get her down to a cabin. Whatever you do, don't turn her loose. Well, you never know when it might strike you. You can't put on a coat or move a chair without risking your life. Now, something's got to be done. It might be right here in this flower. All right, Miss Steve. You better quiet down. Take it easy. Take it easy, huh? Well, you're a great officer. Why don't you do something about it? That thing might be crawling around here right under our feet somewhere. Look, I said shut up. Are you trying to start a panic? I got a right to talk. I don't want to die. Nobody's going to tell me. The second night passed and morning came around again. A gray and rainy day, just as grim and tense, dragged past. And the night came down again. Third night of the terror. Again, every light burned and the whole ship seethed in the throes of incipient panic. Faced by a horror they'd never met on the sea before, crew and officers alike were on the verge of revolt. Passengers sat huddled in a trance-like stupor, ready to scream at the slightest unknown sound. 
At seven bells, I made my way forward to the chart room and found Captain Wood bent over a desk. Ah. Hello, Christopher. Come on in. Sit down. It's got to be somewhere, Captain Wood. It's got to be. I don't know. You could search this ship for six months and never touch all the places aboard. We can only hold out for two more days. We'll be in. What's the home office say? Oh, here's the latest wireless from them. Keep quiet and keep coming. (laughs) What else can we do? How is it on the decks? Pretty bad. Anything could happen. That's why I took the guns away from the men. One pistol shot and we'd have a riot on our hands. Oh, the whole thing's my fault, Captain Wood. That's what I can't forget. Oh, take it easy, lad. There's only some way I could pay for it myself, alone. No, I know how you feel, but it's no more your fault than mine or the man who asked you to bring the snake back alive. Nobody planned this. You'd better try and get a little sleep. Sleep? Mr. Bowman made some coffee down in the steward's galley a while ago, you... Better go down and get yourself a cup. And then rest up for a couple of hours. Rest? I can't rest. Christopher, it's no good going. What are you going to do? You, you, you can't help anything. You stumble through a hatch, half asleep, and break your neck. Go on and get some coffee. One way or another, we've got to hold out for two more days. <laughs> The light was on in the steward's galley, and the coffee pot was standing on the stove. It was still warm, so I didn't bother to heat it. I poured out a cup, carried it over, and set it on the porcelain tabletop in the center of the room. I started to light a cigarette. The door of the pan cupboard beneath the sink was standing slightly ajar, and I happened to glance down toward it. Out from the dark interior of the cupboard shone two glittering points of light two inches apart. I dropped the cigarette and moved slowly backward. I'd found the Bushmaster. As I moved, the snake slid out of the cupboard in a single sinuous glide and drew back into a loose coil on the galley floor, never taking his eyes off me. I moved slowly back, waiting any moment for that deadly slithering strike. How had he known it was me? He'd stayed quiet when Bowman was here. How did he know to pick the first time in three days when I didn't have a gun? Well, my hands touched the wall behind me and I stopped. Only then I realized in terror what I'd done. The call button and the door were on the far side of the room. I'd backed into a dead end. I stared at the snake in fascination, expecting any moment the ripping slash of those poison fangs. The horrid coils tightened a little and then were still again. Ten million years of evolution to produce this moment... Homo sapiens versus Lachesis muta. Man against mute fate. And all the odds were on fate. I knew then that I was going to die. I could feel the sweat run down between the painted wall and the palms of my hands pressed against it. My skin crawled and twitched. And the pit of my stomach was as cold as ice. There was no sound but the rush of blood in my ears. The snake shifted again, drawing into a tighter coil. Always tighter. Why the devil didn't he get it over with? And then, for just an instant, his head veered away. Something moved over by the stove. I didn't dare turn to look at it. Slowly, it moved out into my line of vision. There was a cat. That scrawny cat, Clara, that Mother Willis had sneaked aboard in LaGuaira. Its back was arched and every hair stood on end. It moved stiff-legged now, 
walking in a half circle around the snake. The bushmaster shifted slowly and kept watching the cat. He tightened. He was going to strike at any second. He struck and missed. The cat was barely out of reach. Now she was walking back and forth again. She was asking to die. Missed again by a fraction of an inch. He was striking now without even going to a full coil. Missed again and again. Always missing by the barest margin. Each time the cat danced barely out of reach, and each time she countered with one precise spat of a dainty paw, bracing her skinny frame on three stiff legs. And then suddenly I realized what she was doing. The bushmaster was tiring. And one strike was just an instant slow. But in that split second, sharp claws raked across the evil head and ripped out both of the lidless eyes. That cat had deliberately blinded the snake. Well, he didn't bother to coil now, but slid after in a fury, striking wildly and rapidly, always missing. And every strike was a little slower than the last one. Until finally, as the snake's neck stretched out at the end of a strike, the cat made one leap and sank her razor-sharp teeth just back of the ugly head, sank him in until they crunched bone. With tooth and claw, she clung as the monster snake flailed and lashed on the floor, striving to get those hideous coils around her, trying to break her hold, to shake off the slow and certain paralyzing death that gradually crept over him and at last stilled his struggles forever. I took a deep breath. The first in minutes... The cat lay on her side on the floor, panting, resting from the fight just over. And she had a right to rest. That mangy, brave, beautiful alley cat had just saved my life. And maybe others as well. But as I turned toward the stove, I suddenly became very humble. And I knew all at once what a small thing a human being really is. I and others aboard were still alive only by the merest accident. There were three reasons why that cat had fought and killed the world's deadliest snake. And those three reasons came tottering out from under the stove on shaky little legs. Three kittens with their eyes bright with wonder and their tails stiff as pokers. Up on the decks, hundreds of passengers were waiting for the news that the days and nights of terror were ended. Well, I could wait a little longer. I pulled open the doors of the cabinet, found a can of milk, and then I dropped down on my knees on the floor of the galley. Escape is produced and directed by William N. Robeson, and tonight brought you A Shipment of Mute Fate by Martin Storm, adapted for radio by Les Crutchfield, with Jack Webb as Chris Warner, Raymond Lawrence as Captain Wood, and D.J. Thompson as Mother Willis. The special musical score was conceived and conducted by Cy Fuhr. Next week... At this same time, when you're tired from a hard day at the office... Or leaning over a hot stove all day? When you want to get away from it all, CBS again offers you escape. Good night, then, until this same time next week when CBS again brings you Escape. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Thank you.
Well, that's our show for this evening. I want to thank you all for listening. And remember, you can always find me at Facebook on facebook.com slash terror1970 or look me up on Instagram at Radio Show Nerd or Twitter at Radio Show Nerd 1. Again, this is Keith, a.k.a. The Radio Show Nerd. Wishing you a Happy New Year's and signing off.